All right, guys. It's Fantasy Docs here, Dr. Nathan Notwell, and I have a special guest with us today. Uh, this is Guru Nation out of here, Spencer from uh, Fantasy Guru. He's a great guy, has a great account going with a lot of great fantasy info out there. And today we just wanted to go over draft day one results and kind of go over the picks and see how they were going to be relevant for the fantasy the fantasy scape out there. I personally was really pumped about seeing the draft. It made me realize how much I was missing sports. Uh, I don't know about you, Spencer, but... Oh, yeah, man, I was definitely missing it, and I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just happy to be here, man, happy to be doing podcasts with you, and, and shout out to Docs, man, shout out to you, man, for being on the front lines with all this crazy corona stuff. I really appreciate people like you that are, you know, taking the bull by the horns and doing the right thing with that, so I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, man, I appreciate that. I'm real excited to jump into the, jump into this fantasy draft, too, or this uh, NFL draft. It was interesting to see how it was done virtually. It was just hilarious to see Goodell out there with a bunch of people on the TV screen behind him, and he's he's trying to get him to cheer and everything. And I'm like, man, this guy gets booed at every draft. And he's yeah, yeah. At least he embraced it. At least he kind of embraced it with this. You know, it was more like I mean, it, it was a much needed live event. I was really excited last night. Yeah, I've just been doing Modern Warfare, honestly, to occupy my time outside of working, so <laughs> this was a welcome break. Uh, I think that you had some thoughts on some of the earlier picks, so I'll let you kind of get started on it, and I guess we'll just go from there, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, it started off with the number one pick, Cincinnati Bengals, going with the, with the Joe Burrow uh, from LSU as expected, you know, the expected pick, and it made a lot of sense because they obviously need a quarterback. They had one of the worst offenses in football last year, and I think they're kind of viewing it as kind of like the way the Cavs viewed LeBron James back in the day, just as a thing, like, hey, we've got to get this. This is our franchise, Joe Franchise, you know. He's a, he's their franchise now. He's going to get people in the seats, get people excited about the Bengals, a team that hadn't had much excitement in, oh, ever. I mean, the Bengals have never really been very exciting. I mean, shoot, I mean, maybe back in the Ocho Cinco days, but, I mean, he <laughs> there's only yeah. so much he could do. So, yeah, Joe Burrow, man, it's it's going to be it's gonna be an improvement for sure. It's just I'm still worried about their O-line, man. I'm still worried about their O-line. So, as far as mixing not really feeling him but the receivers definitely get a stock up aj green and tyler boyd i think they'll they'll uh, they'll do fairly well with joe burrow so um uh, so yeah man what are your thoughts on on the uh, the golden boy number one <laughs> yeah i mean they wanted to make a splash and they they definitely made it burrow had arguably one of the best college seasons in history which you know you can't knock on that i agree with your take on the o-line though it's gonna be kind of shaky and I'm kind of wondering when they're even going to get him out on the field because they still have Andy Dalton, so they might just want him to be groomed for a little bit. But um, I think him and one of the other quarterbacks have a much higher chance of getting on the field this season, and I think the other ones that were taken in the first round are probably going to be taking a back seat, just kind of learning behind uh, one of the vets going forward. But, I mean, it's super exciting for Cincinnati. Uh, like you said, they haven't had – too many exciting playmakers over the years so hopefully this causes a spark he seems like a humble dude and seemed pretty happy about everything going down yesterday it was really chill how he was calling out his community like at every take he was just really repping his zip code uh, very strongly so 
be exciting to see how he turns out. Yes, indeed, and I know uh, I know you brought up to me about how the importance of the O lineman getting taken, how that could affect some fantasy value, and so I know the uh, the Giants took a big man at, at number four, Andrew Thomas. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I have a I have a couple Giant fans friends, and they were on they were pretty annoyed. They're always pretty annoyed when the draft comes around. To be honest, though, <laughs> uh, as many football fans I know are, but. This was kind of an interesting draft pick because I know they needed an offensive tackle. It seemed like a really high place to take one, though. I feel like they could have easily traded back and uh, gotten someone of a similar caliber even all the way till the end of the first round, which I think there were a bunch of offensive tackles that weren't really graded too much lower. Uh, and I don't know. They, they knew what they wanted to get, and they, I guess they just decided to go with their top pick early so can't fault them for that I just think that maybe could have been handled a little bit better I do think it's going to be great for Saquon I think it's going to help really open up some holes for him I know he had a setback last year with that high ankle sprain but it also just seemed like the O-line wasn't really doing him too many favors regardless so I'm looking up towards Saquon having a little bit of a bounce back and hopefully Daniel Jones taking a little bit of a jump for his next season as well too now that he has a little more protection. Yes, indeed. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I really like Danny Dimes this season, and they had a lot of skill players already in place. Like some people saying, well, they might go Judy or something there, but I didn't see it because they already have some good wideouts. You know, it's uh, Slayton, Tate, Shepard, and Ingram at tight end, Saquon. I mean, they've got plenty of weapons for Danny Dimes, but they need to protect him so he's not running for his life constantly. So, yeah, I, I like the Thomas pick. I would have... I kind of thought they would go Werfs, the Iowa tackle, but hey, I mean, yeah. they, they must have, yeah, they must have preferred Thomas for some reason, but that's that's them, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll see how it works out. Not, but there was this video of one of the offensive tackles. Eh, I think it was, I think it might have been someone else. Never mind. But it was it was a sick video because he was basically up to his shoulders in pool water, and he just jumped <laughs> out of the pool. And I was like. Man, this guy's going to dominate some people in the NFL. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, this is a nice, this is a really nice tackle class. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, those guys are going to really help out. Yeah, the Giants' offense should be really lethal this year. The defense still has a ton of holes, so but the uh, the offensive for fantasy, I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, with the next guy, I'm actually I'm just going to check this poll. I threw up this poll last night about people that had injury questions. And I just wanted to make sure it was still correct. And literally the only response I got was Tua. So <laughs> there was a bunch of answers, and they all just want to know about Tua. He's the only injury concern people have for the Dolphins. I got to say, that's uh, that's nerves of steel for the Dolphins to not trade up. Three quarterbacks taken in the top six picks, and no one trades up. Dolphins end up with their guy, and it's not too great of a deal for my Detroit Lions, but that's nothing new. But they ended up getting their guy, and they still have a, just a boatload of draft picks. So, um, Going on to Tua, though, with his injury concerns, I honestly don't think that he's going to see the field next season. And if he does, it's going to be near the end of the season. You know, they said that his hip was completely healed, and that may be true, but there's a difference between a hip being completely healed and it being healed to a pre-injury level. The structure can be completely sound, but that doesn't necessarily say that it's 
quite as solid as it was right before it got injured. And then that also says nothing to the fact of where his muscle strength was before that as well, too. Uh, he's missed an entire season of football. He has been rehabbing, but rehab isn't a substitute for actually playing the game. And there's not really any great reason to rush him back right now. They say that this that he's the quarterback of the future. So what's another season right there if he can just sit back, learn behind Fitzpatrick? There's few quarterbacks that have had the breadth of experience as Ryan Fitzpatrick has. And to add to that, you know, he's had a couple other injuries as well, too. Those two tightrope procedures performed on those high ankle sprains that he had. All in all, I think that he's going to be a very solid quarterback, and he might even be someone who takes uh, takes the Dolphins to the promised land. But I do think he's going to have a great career that is shortened due to his chronic injuries and possibly due to some more that he experiences just because he does seem like he is a generational talent that is uh, limited by the durability. So we'll see. What I don't know. What are your thoughts, though? Yes, yeah, that was a, to me spot on analysis. Yeah, he's got a high ceiling, but all, but uh, uh, could you know hit the floor type thing could end up a bust because because of his injury concerns. But but I mean the Dolphins kind of had to do it. I mean they uh, several years back they had a chance to get Drew Brees, which I'm glad they didn't because I'm a Saints fan. I'm really glad they passed on Drew Brees. So ever since I think they they've been searching for a quarterback ever since. So I think they kind of had to. Pull the trigger on Tua. I mean, it just. I mean, it's. It was just too much upside to pass up. Yeah, definitely. And I think that if Staff, I think that if Stafford had been a couple years older, you know, we might be talking about Detroit drafting Tua, and I would have the same concerns then too. But, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Stafford's kind of injury prone too. Yeah, it might it might be best to wait a couple years for them to to take somebody because I think Stafford's got a couple more in him. But yeah, with the back injury, it could flare up. Yeah. Definitely. That's something I'll definitely be going a little bit more into depth as we get closer, hopefully, to the start of the NFL season. Yeah, hopefully we can actually have the season. Man, I think we will, just with no fans to start. I definitely think we'll get a season in, though. I'm staying optimistic. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, but, if uh, all sports look forward to, it's going to get pretty dark. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, I think we'll be good. I'm staying positive. But one more uh, thing about two, I know. I know you're the injury expert, so what are your what's more concerning to you, the ankles or the uh, hip? For me, it's definitely the hip, and that's mainly because of the hip mechanics involved in throwing. A lot of that kind of uh, torquing motion puts a little bit of strain on that hip, and also just hip fractures in general are more of a severe injury than high ankle sprains. I think that the high ankle sprains are definitely things that he can get around. Um, the hip fracture in my eyes, would be the thing that keeps him limited long-term wise, mainly because these fractures also result on arthritis, having an earlier onset. So, I mean, nowadays we're seeing quarterbacks in their primes in their mid-30s and then still playing at a high level into the 40s. But if you start getting hip arthritis, that's really going to limit that throwing motion. So that's really my major concern for him over the ankles. For sure, man. Yeah, arthritis, as we've seen it with Todd Gurley, arthritis can be the devil, and yeah, it could slow careers down. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Yeah, I remember we both called that one last year. <laughs> it said, stay yeah. away from Todd Gurley because of arthritis. Yeah, but, like uh, three years of winning leagues to just not even a barely a factor. That's yeah, it's, it's unbelievable, man. But, uh, but moving on to uh, the next quarterback, uh, Justin Herbert, I... Uh, 
I feel like the Chargers, again, they're like the Dolphins kind of had to pick, too. I feel like they kind of had to pick Herbert because they basically have nothing at quarterback. And Herbert, he, he's kind of a risky prospect. He, he throws he throws a lot of deep ball and can be prone to bad decisions. But he's got the perfect build for a quarterback. Like He's tall, big arm, can move around in the pocket some. So if I'm a Chargers fan, I'm not like, hog wild about it but i'm like I'm, I'm pretty happy because i feel like if he continues to grow he's got the skill set and the build to be a potential pro bowl qb yeah i agree with that he's got he's got all the tools he just you know he played in a and obviously a pretty down conference pac-12 isn't doesn't have any world beaters in there so it's kind of hard to judge how he competed against his competition because it wasn't really that great like you said, I think that he's a solid prospect. Um, maybe some of those other quarterbacks that were picked later still have yet to be picked might have a higher ceiling, but I think Herbert definitely has a much higher floor than any of them. And with Phillip Rivers not being in the picture anymore, they really needed to get someone, and this was definitely the best choice with who was available. I think they definitely weren't interested in Tua, as it was kind of shown throughout the draft process, and then they weren't going to get Burrow, so... This was pretty much their only choice. You're completely on the money with that. For sure, man. And I think, uh, and I think this is good for fantasy too, because I feel like uh, Tyrod's not going to last that long as their starting QB. Kind of like remember when Tyrod was with Cleveland, it only took like, a couple weeks till they put Baker Mayfield in there. So I think it'll be a similar script with the Chargers. I think after like three or four games, it'll be like one in three or something, and Anthony Lynn will have to go with Herbert. And I think that'll help the offense as a whole because of the big arm. That should definitely help out Keenan Allen and especially Mike Williams. I feel like Mike Williams, he's probably not going to do much with Tyrod, but once they get big arm Herbert in there, that should really help Mike Williams reach his potential. Yeah, really excited for Mike Williams. And then I'm excited for Keenan Allen as well, too, because he's a great wide receiver. And if they can pair him up with another great QB, then he should really be a stellar candidate as well, too. There's not really too many mouths to feed in, in uh, the Chargers' offense, so we might be seeing some real big numbers get put out of them, too. And we'll see if they end up picking up another running back to complement Eckler, but if not, then you know, watch out. Eckler was on fire last season. Exactly, yeah. that's a, It's an ideal situation because, like, yeah, like you said, not too many mouths to feed, so... Yep, and then the uh, yeah the next three didn't have too many. There was all defense, the Panthers, Cardinals, Jags, and then we had a run on O linemen after that. So I know you uh, you were touting they were up uh, what no linemen to get their due, and so the Browns yeah this was grabbed the, the big man and Will, oh the one that jumped out the out pool the, yeah. yeah. So I'll check out that Instagram clip if you guys are listening because <laughs> it is insane. Uh, this guy, I think he's gonna be a really good ad for the Browns too we all know that Baker slumped real hard last season and it was pretty abysmal for the Browns in general which was not at all what most of us projected I know I thought Baker was going to be a top 10 quarterback at minimum and that definitely did not end up happening but I think with Wills a left tackle Conklin a right tackle that should do wonders for Conklin's a great right tackle that they signed uh, after the Titans released them, and then Wills, you know, they project him as immediately being able to start. That should open up more holes for Chubb and Hunt as well, too. 
And then even though even though Wills played right tackle Alabama, he was protecting to his blind side, so that's why he's going to be playing at left tackle for the Browns. But I'm excited for Cleveland. Seems like the future is getting brighter. Hopefully so. It's hard for me to trust them, but hey, yeah. they, they're moving in the right direction. I'd say they've got Kevin Stefanski as their OC, and they've beefing up the O-line, so Nick Chubb should do just fine. Um, with Kareem Hunt there, his fantasy value is kind of capped, but I mean, hey, he's still a good second-round pick, I'd say. And then the receiving core, Jarvis and Odell, Baker should have more time to throw so both of them should be solid as well. Yeah, I'm not like big on the Browns, but I'm, I'm glad that they, they beefed up their O-line. I feel like that was a, a necessary thing for them. And same with the, the Jets, who picked one pick after them. They selected a, another big old boy, Makai Becton, who was 300 pounds. He is freaking <laughs> huge. Probably the biggest guy in the entire draft. I mean, he just... Okay. Goodness gracious, yeah, for real. He's yeah, he's gonna be in green. <laughs> he's gonna be like Shrek up there. Yeah, he's uh he's like can just move people. He's so big, and uh, that should definitely help the Jets. You know, Sam Darnold and company, kind of like Baker last year. They didn't really live up to expectations, but I have I have hopes for Darnold. He uh, he had the mono, so he didn't really get a get a, his feet under him to start out. But once he got healthy in the second half, he did pretty well. And I feel like this Becton thing will help him, as well as Le'Veon Bell. And, I mean, I'm, we talked about this before the show. I'm not a Le'Veon Bell fan at all. But I've got to admit, this Becton draft pick has to... I have to move Bell up a tad in my ranking just because now he'll have he'll have some more running lanes this year. And last year, he had absolutely nowhere to go. Had an abysmal 3.2 yards of carry. But now that he's got some running lanes to run through, I think he'll actually... He'll actually be a, a, a weekly flex option most weeks just because he's going to get so much volume because there's not really much else there as far as running backs. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's a great point as well, too. I just want to touch one more on, on the Browns. It's, it's just random to me why they have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I feel like those are both three-down running backs, and it just seems kind of pointless to have both of them together. I feel like they should just trade one of them, but... Just something that didn't really make sense to me, even when they signed him in the first place. <laughs> yeah, um, yes, yeah, yeah. Sorry, what were you gonna say? Oh, I say like, it's kind of disappointing because, like, if they were on separate teams, they could both be eaten. But now that they're on the same, it's just kind of like ah, it's just kind of frustrating. Yeah, kind of like if the. Uh, yeah, I really hope the Bills don't follow that and do the uh, the four net deal and didn't have four net and single Terry. I'd be so upset because I feel like. Both those guys are fantasy studs, but if they're having to split touches, then they're going to kind of cancel each other out. Same thing in Denver with Lindsey and Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I just don't understand why they do that kind of stuff. Like, I understand getting a, a two running back set, but they both they both don't need to be running back ones. There's no point in spending that kind of money. You just need someone to like, give one of the running backs a breather. Like, it doesn't need to be two studs in there. Just, yeah, well, Hunt comes cheap since he uh, he, oh, yeah. <laughs> he got in trouble, so they didn't really have to spend much on him. So that that's and then Lindsey's on a cheap rookie deal, and then Singletary's on a rookie deal. So yeah, it's like you, you can't have two high price guys, but uh, it's just, yeah, it's just frustrating for fantasy, you know, because you yeah. want the all you want the talent distributed. You don't want the talent canceling themselves out. <laughs> but yeah, with uh with the Jets, I mean, I think it's. I think it's going to be great. Oh, even aside from Mickey Becton, who's going to be seems NFL ready as well too. They signed four other linemen in the free agency, and 
I'm going to admit, I'm going to be the first to admit that I have a huge bias with Le'Veon Bell. I went to Michigan State, so I'm, <laughs> I love that guy, and I think he's got a really unique ability to uh, create his own kind of holes. He did have a terrible season last year, but I also feel like he had no room to run and no time, especially, like you said, with Darnold being under the weather for most of the season. Uh, I think that's all going to change with a healthy Darnold, a healthy O-line, and then this addition of McKee Becton, I think it's going to be do world wonder for Bell. Uh, yeah, with Mono, honestly, it's such a vague course, and it can knock people out for months in terms of their energy level. So I'm not surprised that Darnold was doing poorly, but the good thing about it is that once you're recovered and once you're back up, there's not really any kind of lingering, long-lasting effects from it. So it might knock you out for a while, but once you're back, you're back. So I'm pretty high on uh, Bell and um, higher on Darnold as well, too. But we'll see. Good deal. Yeah, I'm pretty high on Darnold as well. Not as much on Bell. Do you see Bell as an RB2? Uh, I would actually see him as an RB one, but I oh wow, that's a bombshell. <laughs> but I would um I wouldn't be spending a first round pick on him unless it was the back end of the first round or beginning of the second round. So gotcha, he's not gotcha. Someone that I'd take in the top half of the first round at all. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, I tell you what, man, if you if we do any leagues together, I have a feeling that you'll be the bell owner and not me. Let's just put it like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'll live and die by bell. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I'm not feeling it, but you never know. He might have a resurgence. So, uh, And then the Raiders picked after that. They kind of put the O-line thing to a halt and decided to go with a speedster and Henry Ruggs. I was pretty surprised by that one. I thought they were going to go with either C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy because I felt like those would have top two wideouts in the class the most complete wideouts i thought rugs was a little too one-dimensional it's like a speed burner so i was pretty surprised they did that but you know how john gruden is he's he he hardly ever follows convention he always likes to think outside the box yeah so uh so yeah henry rugs i mean i think he could have a little fantasy value this year because there's not much else in vegas now the vegas raiders they don't really have many other weapons to compete with but I think he's just going to be kind of frustrating to own because it was deep guys. I mean, even Tyree Kill, as good as he is, is pretty inconsistent on a weekly basis. Yeah, we're on the same page there. I mean, it's like Tyree Kill, he's going to put up top five wide receiver numbers, but he's going to also lose you some weeks because he puts up a huge goose egg or something one week here or there, and you can't really count on him for consistent production. And He's the best of that type of receiver, so... I mean, we're talking about a rookie and we're talking about the Raiders where, you know, it is kind of a sink or swim kind of team as well. We'll see how Ruggs does. I'm not, he's not one of the wide receivers that I'm at all targeting this year, but it should be fun to watch. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and then the uh, the last of the big four linemen was selected by Tampa Bay and Tristan Wirfs, to me, it was a steal, if I'm being quite honest. You know, they needed another tackle to protect Tom Brady and that offense that they've got going there. And Wirfs should be able to slide in and be a day-one starter and, and keep the old man afloat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'll be real interesting to see how that works out. That's so many new players are about to be in Tampa right now. Gronk's going to be back there, apparently. Brady's up yep. there. They signed an O-line. We'll see kind of what they what they do. This is honestly just going to be a dart throw with the Bucks. I have no idea what to expect from them this year. Yeah, I, I agree on that. I think they're more – they have a wide range of outcomes, though. A lot of people are already penciling them in. It's like elite. Like they're penciling in Brady as 
He's going to be back to being top five. Gronk, I've had some people see. I've had some people say he's going to be a top five tight end, and then Evans and Godwin. Some people saying they're going to both be top five wide receivers, and I just don't see that stuff. I mean, I see them. I mean, right now I have Evans and Godwin the sixth and seventh. I have them both in my top ten. And I have Brady. I move Brady like just inside my top ten. And I have Gronk. Gronk's the one I'm actually the lowest on. I have Gronk like, like yeah, just outside my out. top ten. Yeah, I mean he was sat out a year, so I have a feeling I'm gonna own very few Tampa Bay Buck shares this year because there's gonna be somebody, especially if you're in a big league, there's gonna be somebody, somebody out of the twelve members of your league that's gonna be drinking the Brady Kool Aid, the guy in your, <laughs> the guy in the league that. Uh, it watches ESPN 24-7 and buys into all the hype, hype, hype. And the Bucks are going to be the ESPN hype beast team. Just like last year, the Cleveland Browns got hyped up. This year, it's going to be the Tampa Bay Bucks. So, uh, so while I think they'll end up better off than the Browns last year, I still don't think they're going to be like a record-setting offense or anything. I don't think they're going to be like the Peyton Manning Broncos back in the day. I don't think they're going to be that good. So I would stay away from Bucks. Guys, unless they would, you know, fall to a reasonable draft price. But the way at the rate it's going, I have a feeling all their ADPs are going to be way, way too high. Yeah, for me, Gronk, uh, he he laid a goose egg for me in the championship uh, the last season that he played, and you know, I I luckily pulled out the victory still with that goose egg. But that for me <laughs> just kind of made me decide never to pick up Gronk again, and him being a year older after being a year out of the league. I mean, there's no appeal. With Mike Evans, I feel like his biggest appeals, he catches those deep bombs from Winston all the way down the field, and Brady's, you know, he's not known for throwing those bombs. So the only person in that offense I might look at is Godwin. But like you said, all these people are probably going to be overpriced, and I'm right on your side with not really pursuing any of them too highly. Good dude. Yeah, the only one, yeah, Evans actually, because I think some people share the similar concerns. Evans ADP as of now actually isn't that through the roof. I've actually gotten Evans in a couple mock drafts because oh, nice. he's going in like the mid to late second, which to me isn't bad. Yeah, that's true. That's but yeah, Godwin's been through the roof. Godwin a lot of times will be off the board in the first round. Yeah. Uh, this next one that I was thinking of was uh, actually one of the only top three rookie wide receivers that were drafted that I'm going to be targeting. I'm going to target Jefferson, too, but he was fourth pick. So, um, And that's Jerry Judy out at 15 at the Denver Broncos. And I'm pretty pumped about this one, actually, because he actually – there's not really too many targets that he has to compete with there. I mean, they got Noah Fant there, but I think that Judy should – probably take priority over him and then they got Cortland Sutton who's a great wide receiver and I think he's destined for good things as well too but I could see Judy being a great wide receiver too or even competing with uh, Sutton for wide receiver one later on in the season he did have some surgery injury history back in college but it's not even a factor for me he got a meniscus repair back in 2018 and then following that he proceeded to have the two best seasons of his career which cemented his status as a first round draft pick um the only issues with that meniscus repair would be earlier arthritis but in terms of the short-term effects he seems to have brushed those off just evidenced by his later performance in college so i mean i'm pretty pumped about judy and i would i would definitely be willing to target him in the draft Good deal. Yeah, I really like that they, they snagged Judy there. That was a great value pick, in my opinion. I thought Judy would have been gone already had he mocked to the 49ers. They ended up taking a wide out later on. 
But yeah, Judy in that offense should do well. I'm I'm not a huge Drew Locke believer, but I'm also not a Drew yeah. Locke hater. Like a lot of people are like, oh, Drew Locke, he's garbage. You're not going to do anything. I'm not like that. I feel like with all those weapons there now, I mean, they've got a two-headed monster in the backfield that we touched on earlier, Gordon and Lindsay, And then the receiving core now, it's Sutton, who I really like. I like Sutton. I feel like he, I had him in my top 12 wide receivers. A lot of people said I was crazy for that, but I really believe in Sutton. Yeah, I think the break, yeah, the breakout was real last year, and he did it without having to be touchdown dependent. He only caught six TDs and was still a stud, which I think those six TDs will definitely increase this year. And with Judy now, opposite him he won't have to worry about double teams that's for sure because i mean if they double team him judy's gonna torch him so yeah i i like this duo i think judy could have some flex appeal in his rookie year for yeah. sure and and it helps open that should help fan as well and just help the offense as a whole get those guys open and so yeah i'm uh denver's a sleeper team for me they're a team that because their defense is always solid that their offense ends up living up to its potential i could see them making a potential playoff push yeah that would be that would be awesome for them uh did you happen to see that video from cd lamb when he got drafted and his girl tried to take his phone i heard about it i haven't actually seen it yet i heard about it though but she i guess she's yeah. not a cowboys fan <laughs> yeah so i mean that's uh that's cool, the next man. one i want to talk about anyways but apparently he was he slid in the draft and then he was getting his draft call and then his girlfriend apparently tried to take his second phone off his lap, and he just, like, grabbed it from her. Jeez. <laughs> He's like, you're not going to Dallas Cowboys. Jeez. Yeah, I, don't, I must have missed that. I don't really remember that during the day. I saw someone made a meme about it, though, today. <laughs> Maybe, well, how about this? Maybe she's an avid fantasy player, and she didn't want him to go to a crowded receiving core. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, that's why I'm super pumped about Lamb. I do think it really benefits Dak Prescott, and I think he's about to be a top 10 uh, fantasy QB because... Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he yeah. could be top, top five with that yeah, receiving definitely. core. It's loaded. Like, I mean, they got Cooper, Gallup, they got Zeke, who's a great passing back. Uh, they got, or I mean, receiving back, and now C.D. Lamb. And then they got a weak defense, too. So they're going to pretty much constantly need to be playing catch-up by slinging. Dak can also do some running as well, too. I mean, top 10 is basically locked in. And like you said, top five is definitely well within reach for him. So not really pursuing Lamb, but this is a huge move for Dak in terms of value-wise. Yeah, definitely, and Lamb should help fill any voids that the passing game might have. And I kind of view it as similar to when Des Bryant was drafted back in the day, back in 2010, I believe. Bryant didn't really do all that much his rookie year, but he played a role. He kind of put, got his foot in the door. He showed what he could do, caught out like six touchdowns. Didn't catch that many balls, but he, he made his presence known. And the following year is when he really blew up. And, and got a big role in the offense. So I don't think Lamb's going to have that big of a role in his rookie year, so I wouldn't touch him in redraft unless he'd fall to, like, the very end of the draft. But for Dynasty, he's somebody I'd be all over. He'd be a, he'd be one of my top Dynasty picks. But redraft, yeah, I'm staying away. There's just too many mouths to feed in Dallas. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, man, after him, they had a, another defense. Oh, actually, no, they had a, after him was the uh, another tackle, Austin Jackson in Miami. That should help keep two afloat. I would yeah, say they'll probably put in. Yeah, well, yeah, fits magic for now. And then two. Uh, if I was them, this is what I'd do. I'd put, uh, I'd put Jackson on the right side. for like to, I'd groom him to be the right tackle because that's two was blind side since he's a lefty. 
Yeah. Oh, that's. Oh, I, if I was them, I would. Uh, I would. I would. Uh, in OTAs and stuff, well, they're not probably gonna have OTA, but training camp is whenever they can actually meet in person as a team. I would. I would have Jackson lined up as my right tackle to groom him for that because I'm sure that's what they're gonna want him to be whenever Tua takes over. Yeah. No. I mean, I agree with that. I don't think. Uh... I mean, I, we'll see what, how Miami does this season, but I feel like Miami should treat this season as just a training ground season where they get all their draft picks up to speed, get them prepped, get to uh, some experience under his belts, and prep for kind of the following season to be their real coming out party. But we'll see. Yes, indeed. Yeah, definitely don't see him starting many games this year. So, yeah. Which actually I think helps Devontae Parker's value because Parker – is uh really did well with Fitzmagic last year. So I feel like if Fitzmagic stays as the QB, then Parker, I think, will, will flirt with WR1 value a lot of weeks. And right now he's a great value in drafts. A lot of times he'll slip to like the fifth, sixth round. A lot of people viewed him as a fluke. But yeah. I uh, yeah, I mean, if Fitzmagic... He had to break out for years, and then he finally broke out the last like four games of last season. Yeah, it's like he finally broke out, but now a lot of people, I guess, are were, uh, were pissed off that drafted him in years past. He's, his ADPs now actually at a good value. This is the first year I've ever had Devontae Parker on my mock draft teams. I, well, I would usually always stay away from him because I felt like it was too much hype surrounding yeah. him. And now I think it's now I think it's the time to buy on uh, Devontae. Yeah, no, definitely. What do you think about uh, what do you think about that Vikings pick? By the way, getting that uh, Diggs replacement. Yeah, Justin Jefferson. Yep. Yeah, I was actually the pick before. I was really surprised the Eagles didn't snag Jefferson. Yeah. I mean, I was really surprised. I mean, they took Jalen Rager. I mean, I know Wentz has a big arm, and they like to go with deep guys. I mean, they have Deshaun Jackson, so basically Rager will get to learn under him and, you know, be that deep guy. And he'll probably end up being – he'll probably have a pretty good role for him this year, especially with Jeffrey's injury concerns. So I think Rager – could do pretty well there, but I, I feel like the Jefferson probably would have been the safer pick. I feel like he would have been, because they need a target hog in Philly. They need somebody that can absorb a lot of targets, because they have a lot of targets up for grabs, especially if Jeffrey's not healthy. So I was, I don't hate Rager, but I was kind of thrown off by that move. I didn't think that was the, the smart move by them. I thought they would have gone Justin Jefferson, who I feel like was a steal for Minnesota at 22. Yeah, I mean, he was the NCAA reception leader. I think he had, like, an insane third down, third down conversion rate. Like, it's it's perfect for the Vikings pretty much because they can keep dealing on the outside, and Jefferson can just pick up a bunch of receptions on the inside. That's why I was saying uh, he's he's definitely going to be a receiver I'd try and pick up as well, too, just because, especially in PPR formats, I think he's going to be a good sleeper. Yeah, definitely. No more digs there so i mean he'll be that replacement he'll absorb a lot of targets they use their tight ends a lot but i mean come on be real here y'all kyle rudolph and irv smith are not gonna be enough of a thorn in the side of receiver i mean i'd say the more the concern would be the run first offense i mean they run a ton with dalvin cook but even with that i still think there's gonna be enough to go around for jefferson because i mean adam thielen y'all adam thielen was not that great last year, especially in the second half. Adam Thielen sucked, if, I'm, if we're being quite honest. Adam Thielen was was injured and just not playing well at all down the stretch. Yeah, so, so uh, I got someone to take over. Yeah, I think that guy could be Jefferson. I think for the Thielen this year, he'll still it'll still be his job, you know, as that WR1 target hog. But I'd say as the year goes on, I expect to see more and more doses of Jefferson, and 
And if I'm a dynasty owner, I'm thinking by 2021, Jefferson will probably be the guy there in Minnesota. Yeah, that'll be definitely interesting to see. How are you feeling about your Saints picking up that center? Yeah, Cesar Ruiz. Yeah, I was man. I'll, I'll tell you what. If I'm being honest, I was really mad when they did it because <laughs> I'm. I, and it always happens, man. Because O line picks are they're just not sexy picks. Yeah. O linemen when you when they get picked, you're like, oh damn it, another O lineman. You're just like you're never very impressed. It's one of those things you've got to just you know take a step back, get the emotion fan out of you for a second, just kind of look at it rationally, and then you kind of look and be like. Yeah, I mean, Drew Brees last year did face a lot of interior pressure, especially in that Vikings playoff game in which we got upset, which, ooh, man, that game that grinds my gears. But uh, anyway, <laughs> so get moving past that, I mean, the fact was that the interior line was not the strength. I mean, I mean, the Pete and uh, Warford, the guards, are not, like, I mean, they weren't terrible, but they weren't, like, that great either. The center, Eric McCoy, was the one they moved up for. He looks really good. So I think Sean Payton views it as Warford's getting up in age. They just extended Pete. I guess they believe in him. So I think it's one of those deals where they viewed it as they were one lineman short of having, like, a, a, a really strong starting five. So I feel like they just... They really emphasize O-line in New Orleans. The Saints, under Sean Payton, have generally always grabbed O-linemen early, and so it just kind of goes along with their draft history. So I'm uh, not, like, all excited about it, but I understand the the purpose of it, you know. stoked about a center pick. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I'm not stoked by it, but, hey, I I get it. And he's versatile, too. I think he'll end up being kicked out the right guard. Uh, Ruiz, either him or McCoy. I think McCoy is more of a center because I think they said Ruiz started some games at guard. So I think for the Saints, Ruiz will be a guard. But that, and that should that should help the offense though. I mean, that should help the the running game, Kamara, Murray, and then give Breeze more time to throw. So I mean, the Saints' offense should be as lethal as ever in 2020. Yeah, uh, I didn't really see too much going on with the Titans. They picked up another O tackle. Basically, a replacement for Conklin should be an adequate substitute to open up holes for Henry. I feel like Henry is honestly one of the few running backs that's the force just entire, just more prominently on his own, just due to his size, strength, and all of that. But um, I didn't really see too much else going on with the Titans draft pick. Just kind of uh, keep. Yeah, yeah, that was their theme. Yeah, keep the keep the train going. You know, run first offense type thing. Yeah, that that it made sense for them. They didn't really have any like big positions of need. I mean, they have a pretty solid roster built up. So I was uh, I was a Titans fan. I was I was kind of like the Saints thing. I mean, you're okay with it. You're not all thrilled, but I mean, it's 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 going to be a useful piece. It's not like it's it's a safe floor. There's not much bust worry with O linemen. Yeah, no, that's true. What do you think and, uh, about that? About the Chiefs picking up yet another running back for their stable? Cool, man. The Clyde Edwards Alaire, man. I was so excited about that. Holy <laughs> crap. I was like, I was all in on Clyde Edwards Alaire like before the draft, man. Like before the draft, I was all in on Clyde Edwards Alaire. I was selling, I was on a live stream a few days ago and I was saying, like, I tell you what, out of all these rookies, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can end up being the best one because I feel like he's the most complete back in this draft class. And I think that's what the Chiefs saw. I think that's why they took him over any other back in this class because they saw the complete three-down ability that he possesses. Because he's, he's not – I mean, he's short, but he's not small. I mean, he's not hes not a guy that you're just going to be able to bring down. And a guy that uh, 
it was a good comparison. Smitty from the Fantasy Football Show actually brought this up last night. To me, a good comparison is like Maurice Jones-Drew. Okay. Back in his heyday when he was doing really well at Jacksonville, he was a short, stout guy, but he was able to hold up for all three downs even though he was small. I mean, it, I mean, he was stout, you know, and that's how Edwards Hilaire is. He's stout and he's a great receiver out of the backfield. He said that Darren Sproles has been a mentor of his which is great because Sproles was just a great receiving back. If Sproles, if only he was like a little more stout, though. I mean, he was just, he was all speed. Where Hilaire, he's, here's what I'm going to say. And this might be like a bold take, but I'm, I'm going to just come out and say it. I think he's a combination of Mark Ingram and Darren Sproles. Like, he wow. can, he can <laughs> run over people like Ingram and catch passes like Sproles. And which to me, I mean, that's all you could ask for. That's a, That's an RB1, I feel like. And so, for this season, I'm uh, I always say preach, you know, first four rounds of your fantasy draft, make sure to get guys that are gonna that you're sure are gonna be studs. Well I'll tell you what, I'm I'm feeling pretty sure about Clyde Edwards Alaire being a stud. I would go ahead and take him. If you have if you're in a situation where running backs are or if you like you went receiver early in your draft and running backs are flying off the board Shoot, if you're like in round three or four, take a chance on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I'll tell you what, he, I think he's going to pan out big time because he's in the perfect system. There's no one else there, really. Damian Williams is a career backup. He's not a starter. So I'm pretty sure Edwards-Alaire will have the job from jump. And he's just, it's going it's to be like, it's going to be a thing of beauty, man. It's just, the Chiefs are incredible. The rich get richer. He's going <laughs> to have a ton of scoring opportunities. Mahomes is going to love to check it down to him. It'll be like, when they had Kareem Hunt, so I know a uh, lot of y'all probably thinking, man, this guy is like obsessed with Hilaire, but I mean, I am. As far as fantasy, I am. I, I think I'm going to be owning a lot of Clyde Edwards Hilaire shares. People are going to be looking at me like, damn, he took him high, but I'll be like, I'm a believer. I feel like he's the real deal. He's just, he's got the perfect skill set and he's in the perfect offense, so. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see how that turns out. That'll be an interesting take. What do you like better about him versus Jonathan Taylor or Dobbins? Uh, probably more so the, the receiving ability. I feel like he's yeah. the most polished receiver. I feel like as far as the, as pure running ability, both of them are just as good or slightly better. But I feel like as far as a receiver, he's definitely the superior out of those guys, which is why I feel like he's the most. And that's probably I'm not saying he's the best runner in the class, but he's definitely the most. Com, I feel like he's though he's the most complete running back in the class. Like, I feel like he's the most complete player at the position. Because the right. position also involves catching the ball, especially in today's NFL. You see guys like CMC, Saquon, Kamara. Yeah. All right, so, so um, I guess um, I think that's about it for the first round. We went over about half the picks, I would say. The other ones were defense and, you know. Yeah, yeah pretty much. We, 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 uh, <laughs> if you don't mind, you want to uh, get in the – we missed a couple, though, at uh, 25 and 26. Oh yeah. We made uh, Brandon Ayuk, the receiver. We had mentioned the 49ers that drafted a receiver earlier, and that man is Brandon Ayuk from oh, Arizona yeah, yeah. State. And I think I think he'll do fairly well because they don't really have much else there. I mean, yeah, they've got Kittle, they've got Debo, but after them, there's really nothing there. So I think there'll be enough targets to go around for Ayuk to to have a, a little bit of standalone value. They are a run first, defense first team though, so I wouldn't. Go hog wild about about Ayuk, but hey, if he would slip to like the, I don't know, like the twelfth, thirteenth round or something, just needing some receiver depth in redraft, hey, I'd be I'd be happy with him. And in dynasty, he's a good good add there in the early if you're doing a rookie draft. So, so yeah, I'm happy about that. And then the uh, 
And then the next one, wow, this, uh, to me, we have to talk about this deal because this was a, probably the biggest bombshell of the entire night. The Packers trading oh, up yeah. <laughs> for Jordan Love. Like, what the hell was that? I was like, I was really, I mean, I can't say I was shocked, though, because they did the exact same thing back in 2005 when they traded up for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah, that one was definitely interesting, and I know someone for sure was not happy about it. That being yeah, we know who that that someone <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah, the bad man. Yeah, you know, yeah, Stephen A. was pissed about that this morning. Yeah, Ooh. he was going off. Oh my god, there's so much shouting happening on that show. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I could. I was just like, here we go again. Yeah, and you could see Adam Schefter. He was trying so hard not to laugh. <laughs> that was the funniest part because you could see Schefter. He could. He was like. You could tell he was trying so hard not to just bust out laughing because he's the complete opposite. He's like Mr. Serious, logical with his analysis. And you have Stephen A. ranting about it. And he's just like, goodness gracious. But uh, I mean, it's true. He's just going to be sitting on the bench for another year or two, barring a serious injury. And once again, Aaron Rodgers does not get, a, does not get an offensive special player for another year, which he's never yep. gotten one, I don't think, in the first round. No, never has. It, it's it's unbelievable i think it's a thing though i think the packers it's setting up to be like the tom brady situation tom brady 2.0 way the patriots did a similar thing when they took jimmy garoppolo in the uh late second early first i mean uh late first early second back a few years ago and then they uh they ended up having to make a decision they had to trade one of them yeah and they ended up trading garoppolo which belichick was mad about (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Belichick wanted to keep Garoppolo, but Kraft stepped in and said no. So, but I think the Packers, I think the Packers. I mean, they let Brett Favre walk. I think they're gonna do the same. Honestly, I think in a, in two or three years from now, probably more like two years from now, I have a feeling that they're gonna trade Aaron Rodgers because you could tell, like in the of uh, after when they did, Matt Lafleur was really happy about the Jordan Love pick. Yeah. I don't think he likes Aaron Rodgers that much because Aaron Rodgers is very headstrong. He's yeah. kind of like Brady. He beats to his own drum. He thinks he knows better. He thinks he's you know the because I mean he is a great quarterback, one of the best to ever do it. And when Lafleur came in last year, they said they butted heads a lot in the off season, and it showed. I mean the Packers passing game was not very fluid last year. If anything, they were more of a running team. Aaron Jones was the one that really excelled for them last year, not Rodgers. Rodgers wasn't all that great last year. I mean, so I think there's a good chance that that Rodgers at some point is just going to want to request a trade and want to change the scenery because it seems like Green Bay's kind of, I don't know, it's like they, they kind of seem like they're pushing him out the door, kind of like they did with Brett Favre. It's almost like they that's just kind of how they run things there. They they view it as once somebody's getting old, they'd rather they'd rather get rid of a guy a year too early than a year too late, no matter how great he was for yeah, the team. Right now, they, just, they, they have a lot of, uh, they, I think the contract that they were looking at, it's pretty tradable after this year. So yeah, looks like you might be right. It's a business. So yeah, yeah, they definitely view it as a business. And what do we know? Rogers, he's uh <laughs> he plays with his emotions on his sleeve. He's definitely, I tell you this, I actually give him a stock up for fantasy because he's going to be playing mad this year he's gonna have a big chip on his shoulder so i actually think rogers could have a nice resurgence this year yeah that's true and then bump up his trade value which once again works out well for green bay so they're just in a win-win pretty much yeah and honestly i think it could be a thing where he might end up getting traded as soon as maybe after this year because if he's 
if he calls audibles and, and throws more than LaFleur wants, LaFleur might go to ownership and be like, look, we might as well just trade him because he's, do, <laughs> he's just doing what he wants and he's not listening to me. So, uh, but we'll see. It'll, that's going to be very interesting. That's going to be a, that's arguably the most interesting, that's going to be the most interesting storyline in the league for the next few years just because, like, it's always a, a big storyline when you've got quarterback controversy, especially with the, like, the old guard and the new guard like that. That's going to be fun to watch. No, definitely. Um, aside from that, so I think that we basically wrapped up the first round. If you had, uh, if who would you take with your first pick? You have the number one overall pick. Who are you going to be taking? In uh, in the fantasy draft? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, CMC, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, CMC, that's it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, All we right. did. Uh, I had a debate with Smitty um, last week about that. He was on the Saquon train. I was on the CMC train. I, I told him, I was like, you made a lot of good points about Saquon. I moved him up a little bit. But I feel like the gap uh, decreased a little bit. But I still would have to go with McCaffrey because he just his production last year was so overwhelming. Even with a slight decline, I still think he'll finish first overall this year. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm surprised actually that you aren't taking your Saints receiver. Oh, Michael Thomas. Uh, no, yeah. I, I I can't quite have him first because I mean. He's he's a receiver. He can't contribute anything in the rushing department. I mean, yeah. he catches a ton of balls though. So I'm thinking about with him. I, I have him fourth right now, fourth overall. I'm thinking about moving him above Zeke though, especially now that the Cowboys are looking like they're gonna be passed first this year. Yeah. I still think Zeke's gonna eat, but I, if I'm a if I'm in a straight PPR draft, I think I might have to go with Mike Thomas number three. Nice. All right. Yeah, that's all I got on my end, man. This is really informative for me hopefully it's informative for our listeners as well too did you have any other topics you wanted to touch on anything else you wanted to say yeah man i think we we covered basically everything as far as the draft and uh yeah this is this is a good man i really enjoyed doing this with you i think we should keep this going and do the uh do you know day two and day three evaluations as well i think uh, i think we nailed it uh and uh thanks for having me man i really appreciate it and and yeah just, just keep doing your thing out there and we'll uh We'll be all good talking fantasy football. <laughs> Sounds great. So once again, guys, this was Guru Fantasy Guru on with me. You can find him on Instagram, and that's fantasy with a underscore in between fantasy. And yeah, fantasy. actually, uh, fantasy two underscores Guru for now. But I'm gonna I'm drop a hint here. It's not official yet, but we might be having a rebrand this year to Spencer okay. the Guru. So nice. not many people know about this, and so your listeners uh, are gonna be some of the first to know. It's uh, it's not official yet. We still got some logistics to work out. But if everything goes through, it might be, we might be officially Spencer the Guru on Instagram. All right, that sounds great then. So yeah, let's try and do this in the future, guys. This is Fantasy Docs. You know where you can find me on Instagram and at this podcast. And once again, that's Fantasy Double Underscore Guru awaiting a rebrand to spencer guru or spencer the guru spencer the, it, it actually is spencer the guru on youtube and twitter no underscores nice all right spencer i'll catch up with you a little bit later all right all right man once again thanks for having me man it was fun